It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. DJ Erm, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm chilling. Let's go. Feel man. good. We got to wake your game up, man. Man, my game, man. <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm woke. Okay. Um, yeah, for those of you first-time listeners out there, man, this is the Up and Up podcast where we ha- where we strive to cultivate the culture. Um, you know, we, we bring people up here who share amazing stories, compelling stories, inspirational stories about how they're going after it, um, striving for their dreams, their goals, their visions, and staying on the up and up, right? Yeah, always. And, and, and we never come up short with the guests. Never. Right, never. Um, there's a couple action items on my list, right? I do want to shout out the listeners as we always do, but there's one particular listener I want to shout out right now. I just, you know, I got pressed. I got pressed last week. I got pressed over the weekend. <laughs> so I'm going to give you your shout out, bro. Shout out to my guy, Q-Tip. Happy belated birthday, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we couldn't afford to lose Q-Tip as a listener. You know, so oh, yeah. I, I couldn't, yeah, we couldn't yeah, have for that. For sure. You, you know, you got to give him the shout out. Do you got any shout outs? Any quick shout outs you want to give? Uh, Barber. Shout out to Barber, you know. If you know who it is, yeah, yeah, shout out Everybody to you. Shout out to, your, shout out to Erm's lineup. Can we get a round of applause for Erm's lineup real quick? Okay. All right. All right, getting out the way. Um, with that being said, <laughs> shout out to all the listeners, man. Thank you guys for uh, the support, man, you know, um, the viewers as well. Uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys, and, you know, we're going to keep this rocking. And so if you want to listen to the episodes, you know what to do. You can type in the Up and Up podcast and find all the episodes on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Make sure to rate, subscribe, review, and like, and it, like too. it too. All right. You'd be forgetting <laughs> that, but it's cool. I know, I know. Um, so now getting that out the way, as I said earlier, we always bring, you know, we always bring a good story up here, right? I think that's uh, that's consistent. Mm-hmm. And uh, today's guest, I would say, is a woman whose um, who's passion for seeing a more mentally stable and healthy world is what's fueling her drive, right? Um, I would say she's a true healer who's keeping everything she's doing on the up and up, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she wouldn't be sitting with us this evening. Um, you know, she's a licensed mental health mental, mental health therapist. I'm sorry. Um, she's the author of Amazon best-selling book, I Tried to Travel It Away. Make sure you go cop that. Yep. I need to get I need to get on that. I need to yep. get on my reading. Um, and she's the co-founder of Reclaiming Melon Wellness Brunch, which is which is coming up. We'll get into that as well. Um, and you know, above all, you know, she's someone who's passionate about tending to the vulnerable populations out here worldwide as well. Um, and ensuring that all people are healed. Our guest is none other than the healing and ultralight beam herself, Ashley McGurk. Can we get a round of applause? Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here, man. It's a beautiful evening. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good now, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like we're about to get some healing today. Oh, yeah. I, I need it. it. I need yeah. it in my life. I know. Yeah. You do too? I mean, I had a bad day today, kind of. So, you know. Oh, we, oh. So, no, I'm playing. We're about to rebrand those thoughts. We could do some real therapy up in here, though. We've been going right. yeah, to get to it. Um, so, we usually start our show off with a quote of the day. Um, it's just something to kind of set the mood, get, the mi- get our minds right, get the vibe right. And, you know, I'm not really a man of words as much as he is. So, I'm going to let him handle that. What you got for us today, Erm? All right, so the quote of the day today, hmm. don't confuse your path with your... Whoa, 
Yeah. Don't confuse your path with your destination. Just because it's stormy outside doesn't mean you aren't headed for sunshine. Mm. And who said that? Who said that? It's unknown. The best, I might, the, yeah, I might have to take credit for it. But the, you best know. Quotes, the best quotes. <laughs> on so say, run that back. Run that back one more time. All right. So don't confuse your path with your destination. Just because it's stormy outside doesn't mean you aren't headed for sunshine. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I like That's that. Dope. That's dope. Thank you. Whoever wrote that. Whoever wrote, wrote that. Whoever wrote that, shout out to them. <laughs> We're going to find you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, again, like I said, we bring in the quotes just to kind of set the tone. But we also want to use – we always want to pull a quote that ties into our guest story, right, and kind of what they provide. And with everything you're doing, obviously, as um, you know, a licensed professional mental health therapist um, and, and all you do, uh, we also want to get into kind of the buildup and the journey of how you even got to this point. Um, so if you can, just kind of take us through a little bit about kind of where you grew up and kind of your upbringing and, and, and where you're from and, and how that helps you kind of pave this path towards what you're doing now. All right. So I'm going to take y'all back. Take it back. Let's <laughs> get, get it back. Let's get, get it. Go back. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Way back. Let's uh, get so it. So I actually grew up in Berrien. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, but we claim it as Seattle. Uh-huh. Seattle. <laughs> 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 we don't really want to say Berrien, but yeah. B-Town. Okay. And bomb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but growing up in Berrien, it was predominantly white. And my grandmother passed away Mm. um, at a young age, and I was severely depressed. I could not handle the loss of my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So my mom's like, okay, we got to get you in some counseling. Mm -hmm. She tried to find a therapist, and there were no black therapists at all. In Berrien, Seattle, White Center, Mm. Tacoma, the whole King County, there Mm -hmm. was not a black therapist available. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to the white counselor. And here I am, nine years old, explaining to this white woman what it's like to be a black person in Mm -hmm. America. And I'm nine years old. That Mm. shouldn't be my role as a child explaining to you what it's like to be a black person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She didn't understand the role of grandmother and black families. Mm. She didn't understand what was going on in my household. Um, My mom was raising me at the time. My dad wasn't in the picture. And she's like, oh, your dad's not around? Like, oh, yeah, this happens. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has a father in the household. Yeah. Um, So... And then just kind of having that shame and that guilt and that pressure put on me because of the things that she was saying and her responses. So she clearly wasn't culturally competent mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. just didn't have the skills. Yeah. And then so I'm a kid. Initially, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I was really obsessed with the OJ trial, uh, Johnny Cochran. I'm like, I'm going to be a lawyer. Shout out Johnny Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's a I, I, I watched that tri- a trial religiously as a kid. Um, just researched the law, knew the Ten Amendments, all the Bill of Rights, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I sat back and I'm like, okay, there's got to be other black kids feeling the same things that I'm feeling, and they shouldn't have to go to white therapists who don't understand what's actually going on in their mm-hmm. household. Mm-hmm. So I did a complete 360. I'm okay. like, okay, I don't want to go to law school anymore. I actually want to study the brain. Mm. I want to understand grief and loss, and I want to work with kids. Mm. Um, so I actually started out working with kids. I did a whole nother 360 because I don't work with kids anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Shout but, out to kids though, man. Shout out to kids. <laughs> right. I do love the kids and everybody hits me up to wanting me to be their child therapist. And I'm like, oh, but I'm not like, I'm like, it's a, it's a whole nother okay. thing. I don't see, I don't see kids. I see adults and I work with seniors and elderly. Okay. So I have a full-time job as a hospice therapist. Okay. So I work with people who have six months or less to live. Mm. And then I have a part-time private practice um, where I work with majority millennials, black women, mm-hmm. black men, um, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And then I also contract in psychiatric facilities and okay. prisons. Okay. So I go out to Monroe, Shelton, um, Clallam Bay. I go to the prisons and I offer counseling to those who are incarcerated. Mm. 
so yeah it really just started with me losing my grandmother Mm -hmm. not having an outlet not having any black therapists available throughout the whole king county yeah there probably was i don't know how hard my mom actually searched you know google wasn't really prevalent back then (laughs) not to really (laughs) age me but it it was very difficult for her to find someone so i was just seeing all these white therapists and i'm like no this isn't good so i spent two decades of my life depressed because I couldn't find someone who actually understood me and mm. could actually help me to get through the grief process of mm. losing my grandmother. Um, so it was really very traumatic. I ended up going to an HBCU, Historically Black College and University, uh, Clark Atlanta. Shout out, shout out Clark Atlanta. Because <laughs> I knew ultimately in my practice I was going to work with black people and for black people. Yeah, okay. I ended up getting my master's from University of Washington, and I remember sitting down. You had to get interviewed to get into the program. Mm-hmm. And they were asking me, who was I going to work with? Like, what's my ideal population? I was like, black people. Mm -hmm. They tried to come at me like I was a racist. Mm. And I had already gotten into USC and several other schools. So I'm like, look, you guys are going to let me in or not? Mm -hmm. Like, what's up? Yeah, (laughs) Because I'm a a black woman first. Yeah. And I'm going to see black people. But it doesn't mean I'm not also going to see whites. Because I actually have white Mm -hmm. people in my private practice. And and, and it's, it's more so, like, you probably feel comfortable um, obviously being a, a therapist is a great deal of responsibility on you. And it's like, I'd rather be, um, you know, providing those services to someone I can actually relate to. Cause you went through that when you were younger, knowing that this person can't connect with me. So I don't yeah. want to put someone else through that same situation. And right? it, it was probably right. the lack yeah. of not having like, uh, people of color mm-hmm. in that position. Yeah. In those two, so. And no, definitely. That, that's yeah. really what it is. Cause mm-hmm. when, like I said, I started out working with kids. And so when I would show up and I would see kids and I'm not black person, they would start to open up. They would tell me things that they mm-hmm. wouldn't tell the white therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also able to put things into a different perspective, just understanding culturally what's going on. Cause okay. there's certain things that happen in black ho- households that uh, other people don't understand. So okay. they're trying to get like the state involved in CPS and I'm like, no, you need to actually look down and see this is what's happening. So let's take a whole 360 before we start trying to call CPS and do X, okay. Y, and Z. Okay. Let's actually break down, talk to the families. But I noticed in that system, because I was actually working for DSHS, um, how messed up it was, honestly, and how they were disproportionately taking black kids out of their homes. And I'm like, I can no longer be a part of this system. Mm. I'm not, I, I went to court one day. And there was a black father. He showed up at the last hour. I get it was the last hour. Um, And the state was just so gung-ho to take this child from this family as opposed to sitting and working with the father who showed up at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, it was really on the mother because the mother was addicted to drugs. And we couldn't find the father. Okay. But they have their timelines as opposed to when we take kids. Mm -hmm. And it was that case that really just had me like, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm not taking black kids from their household. I got this black man standing in front of me Mm -hmm. who wants to show up for his child. And you're telling me I have to stand on the side of the prosecutor in the state and represent and separate black families? No, I'm not doing it. They actually paid for my master's, mm. so I was supposed to work for them for three years. So I'm actually paying them the money back. So <laughs> it's kind of like, it, oh man, because I'm like, I'm not part of this system. I'll rather pay y'all the money back. Yeah, and that's the, I think that's like the the politics behind it too. Like a lot of times people don't understand that, right? Like for people to get proper treatment, all the things that need to be taken care of on the back end, we don't even know, right? All right. The, all the requirements that are like like you said, like it's a certain timeline. There's a deadline, but honestly, I don't think there's a deadline on mental health and when someone you know, can say, okay, I'm healed or I'm ready, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't rush that process, right? Exactly. Okay. And that's the thing. uh, I feel like, you know, we're all millennials. We're young. We 
we live in a microwave society. We want things now. We want to put it in the microwave. We want it done. We don't want to take time to put the pot on the stove, wait for things to boil yeah. and cook mm-hmm. and really the process. Yeah, no, we, <laughs> the process. we want it fast. Yeah. yeah. And I see that with my clients. They're like, so when when will I know that I'm healed? They ask me that all the time. <laughs> like, when will I be fixed? And I'm like, well, one, you're not even broken. Wow. So you're coming to me and I'm helping you to learn how to work with the pieces that you already have. But mm. I don't see anybody as broken. Um, but yeah, we really want things fast, fast, fast now, now. Mm. <laughs> mm. So, um, so I, I, I kind of want to get into it because I feel like um, it seems like you drew a lot of experiences from when you were a child, right? That yeah. pushed you into this avenue. Um, but again, again, I, I feel like, you know, th- th- it is a great deal of responsibility for someone to go into this practice. Um, wh- what moment was it, whether it was like maybe um, the first time you ever provided a therapy session to someone and maybe it didn't go as you thought it, it would it would have went or maybe you did you know, uh, another therapy session and it went really well. What was that moment for you when you said, you know what, this is my calling because there's a lot, a lot of times people think in theory Mm -hmm. and then when it hits you in actuality is when you really take it, you know, 110% and you go all the way. So was there a moment for you? There was several moments and there's been several moments throughout my career because I've switched several roles. So I worked with kids, I worked in hospice, homeless shelters, prisons, uh, skilled nursing facilities, hospitals. So I feel like in each role, there was always something, especially in what I do now. And right now that moment, because I'm a hospice therapist. So mm-hmm. I sit at the bedside as individuals take their last breath. Okay. So really having someone hold my hand and tell me that they're thankful, they're happy that I'm there as they transition, because this is all temporary. Mm-hmm. We all have to leave this That's world real. one day. That's real. Um, so right now in my current role, that was it. When I was working with kids, it was really their faces just lighting up when they said, hey, your therapist is coming in. It's Ashley. And, you know, my name, it could, it could go either way. It, anybody could be Ashley. Mm-hmm. But then they see this black woman pop up and they're like, hey, she looks like me. Mm. I get her. I understand mm. her. And they want to give me hugs. Yeah. So just that. And I miss it. I miss working with kids. But I also love everything that I do with hospice and yeah. working with adults um, yeah. as well. So it's like, oh, <laughs> I want to go back and forth. What's yeah. more what's more complex? Is it working with kids or working with adults? Um, kids was tough because I wanted to take them all home. And I felt like I found myself in a place where I couldn't enjoy my own life because mm. these kids were suffering. Then I felt like I'm going to this nice house mm-hmm. and these kids are homeless. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like wanting to give all my stuff away. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't. that's not realistic. I just can't be homeless just because other people are homeless. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but that was really tough because I, I felt bad. Yeah, and it's like you're not their mom or their dad too yeah. at the same time. So it's a little bit of... You don't want to overstep boundaries, too, when you're working with kids, I yeah. feel like, right? And that was the thing. I wanted, literally wanted to adopt them all. And then <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can't go out to the mall because this kid right here doesn't even have a dollar. Mm. It was tough. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, That's like, you brought up how, like, we want everything fast mm. and stuff these days, like mm. m- millennials. So, um, I was wondering, like, how much do you think social media plays in like the role of exposing like mental health now a lot more because i hear i hear i hear about it a lot these yeah, days you it's know, popular so. it's trending yeah it's trending. It is. It's, it trending. Is. it's trending and sometimes for the wrong reasons because i mean social media is a tool everybody can create an instagram a facebook twitter all that good stuff and then say that they're a clinician they're all of a sudden therapists mm-hmm. and they didn't have the clinical background they just have life experience mm-hmm. so they're putting these things out into the media mm-hmm. that are actually destructive and harmful mm-hmm. so i have a lot of clients that come to me and they're hearing things on social media 
that actually is impacting their mental health and well-being. And mm. I have to tell them, no, this is a facade. This isn't real. Like, this person that says they've got this $1,000 house, like, yeah. it's rented. Or yeah. their parents' house. <laughs> yeah. Um, meanwhile, you're comparing yourself to that person, and then you're stressed out about the way that they look. And there's all these things that actually doctor how you look, Photoshop. So mm-hmm. I'm often telling my young clients, like, really, it's a facade. And yeah. comparison is a thief of joy. You have to focus on yourself. Mm. Take social media breaks. Um, I do love how we can put mental health out mm-hmm. and we preach self-care. We preach all of these good things. So it, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's really yeah. a balancing yeah. act and knowing who are you following. Are you following the right person? Is yeah. this person really destructive? Where did they get their information from? Yeah. Who qualifies them to give this information mm-hmm. to you? And what is the type of information? Yeah. How is it impacting your life? And there's no, there's really no, um, I guess, uh, exclusivity when it comes to certain messages on social media. It's amongst everything, yeah. right? So you might be on your timeline, you see some yeah. dope ass mental health messaging, and you're like, yeah, I feel good. And you see some wild ass shit, and you're yeah. like, you forget about it, right? right? So it's, um, it confuses the message a little bit. Um, and I guess since we're on that topic, I, I do kind of want to also get into, um, like you said, a lot of times for me personally, um, a lot of the knowledge I get from uh, from mental health is social media, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's seeing someone put a, a 15 second clip or a minute clip mm-hmm. or, you know, seeing someone doing an interview about how they feel about their mental health. Um, but in real life, you know, we go through ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's normal. I saw a post on social media and it was like, <laughs> uh mental health therapy services i forgot the amount of money it said and then it said just saying hey this should be like that sometimes zero (laughs) zero dollars like it compared it compared like just just yeah right it it compared like just summing up can i say something about the money thing because people come at me all the time for the cost yeah yeah yeah. talk about it talk about it especially us as black people we're all black up in here yeah yeah for sure um i feel like we need to change how we invest our money and invest in our health. Cause this is a business at the end of the day, mm. it cost me over a hundred thousand dollars to get the degree that I have. Mm-hmm. So this is a job. I feel like people feel like, Oh, I'm your girlfriend and we're sitting back talking. No, there's actual clinical skills and education. I had over 4,000 clinical hours that I had to put in mm. to be able to do this job. That's real. So I need to be paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pay $200 for a week. Why can't you pay for a therapy session, mm-hmm. which is going to impact your overall mental health and yeah. wellness? You're investing well in yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's like we buy Jordans, we buy all of these things, but then it's like, ah, nah, I'm not about to pay for a session. Mm. And everybody wants to ask me for discounts or, you know, you take Medicaid, Apple Health, mm-hmm. all these different things, which I do offer sliding scales. Because I'm not from a wealthy family. For sure. And I understand that I would not be able to necessarily pay for these services yeah. as a kid going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do accommodate that. But we also have to step up and be accountable. We buy toothbrushes. We buy deodorant. We buy all of these things. We, all, we have to support ourselves and invest in ourselves and stop talking about how expensive it is. Mm. Um, what's more expensive is actually watching you sit at the bedside as you take your last breath and you're... Uh, charging hospice and all these other services Mm -hmm. that cost thousands of dollars and then having to pay for a funeral that Mm -hmm. your family hasn't prepared for and then you want to create a GoFundMe Mm -hmm. at the end of the day because you don't have the proper services in place. So we really need to reevaluate how we spend our money and invest, especially as a people. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. It's Mm -hmm. literally like just splitting like what's important, what's not. Like material things. It's like 
somebody just buys a whole bunch of clothes because they don't feel good. Right. Like you <laughs> yeah. might as well just go to a therapist before yeah, you like. Oh, you gonna look? You gonna, like, no, you gonna you gonna look fresh. You know, you're some look people good. do that for their self esteem. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that, that like, mirror gonna tell you something different. Yeah. Right? They gonna be like, yeah, you you the man, but inside yeah. you're not. You know? Not at that's all. real. Um, and that's something we were talking about, like with the rest of the team before you got up here, was uh, kind of figuring out why do we put such an emphasis on the external shit, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, we use an example of like when it comes to sports. Oh, my jump shot's broke. I need to go to the gym. I gotta get a good. I gotta get my shot back. Yeah. Um, at work, hey, you're underperforming. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what do I have to do to make sure I'm performing to the mm-hmm. to the high standards that I need to perform at? But when it comes to like what's going on internally, there's no yeah. sense of urgency at all. Um, why why do you think that is? Because I see that all the time, even with myself. I can say that myself. Like, I don't. I I'd rather make sure everything's good on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what we see. We don't see what's going on inside here, right? Yeah. So why, why do you think that is? Um, so I can break it down two different ways. I'm sure your your viewers, your listeners are all diverse, mm-hmm. but because I'm a black person, I focus predominantly on mm-hmm. black people. For sure, for sure. So I'm going to look at it from the standpoint of racial trauma mm-hmm. and post-traumatic slave syndrome. Okay. So as slaves, we never actually had things. So then we're free. And now we want to buy all this stuff. Mm. We want to put all this stuff out into the external and mm-hmm. really show people, mm. hey, I got it. You can't walk around with your house, but <laughs> yeah. you could drive around with that Benz. Mm-hmm. So it's really the psychological mindset of showing others and proving, hey, I made it. Yeah. I'm mm. not a slave anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm free. Like, mm-hmm. look, at, I, I got this Gucci belt. Yeah. So I'm going to tuck my shirt all the way down <laughs> in my pants and be real, real, real extra. See the G. <laughs> See the G. But it, it's really a slave mindset. For real. I agree. Um, just in terms of black people. And then overall, because it's not limited to black people, there's mm-hmm. other cultures and races that do this as well. And really it just comes down to self-esteem, okay. insecurity, depression, yeah. anxiety, mm-hmm. all of this. So I'm going to buy these things and I'm going to show you that I'm worthy because mm. we don't feel like we're worthy. Have you dealt with that personally with some of your, um, I guess, some of your clients or some of your uh, patients where um, – that's exactly what's going on. And when you tell them this message that you're telling us and everybody else who's listening, did, does it cut through? Um, sometimes it does. Majority of the time it does. It's that aha moment. Like, dang. Especially when, because I focus a lot on racial trauma. Okay. And so how oppressive systems impact our mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And when I relate it back to slavery and these are the things that the slave master were doing that now you're doing mm. because your mother did it and it's, it's generational. It yeah. becomes a perpetual problem. Yeah. You're like, oh, I see it. So how can I change? Because mm. people don't know. Mm. So they need me to drop those breadcrumbs and give them the guides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a guiding, the, the aha moment. Sometimes clients are like, eh, you know what, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And there's actually one particular client where I'm like, okay, what are you doing? You're paying for these sessions out yeah. of pocket, but you're not making any changes. So why are you here? Yeah. Because uh, you could call your girlfriend. I mean, yeah. I'll t- I'll, you want to pay me, that's fine. But ethically, if you're not doing, you're not making yeah. progress, yeah. then I'm really just taking your money unnecessarily. That's so real. it's like, do you want healing or not? Because mm. I'm not going to fight you for your yeah, healing. And this, this isn't something to really kind mm. of try to play with, you right. know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're playing with your time, but you're exactly. also playing with, you're playing with your time, you're playing with your money, and you're also playing with your, with, with your mentals, you know? And, mm. and, and if it's growing or not. Um, no, that's real. That's yeah. real. So um, another thing is, like, there's some outside factors, obviously, that, I think might affect mental health. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, like, um, 
like how it rains in Seattle, the weather, right? Mm-hmm. Or oh, like yeah. the food I eat. Like, right. does that have like an effect? On uh, like- yes, definitely. Environmental stimuli impact yeah. our mental health and well-being and nutrition. What are we putting in our bodies? Mm. Um, I always talk about this, especially as black people, because we tend to be impoverished and lower income. So mm-hmm. we can't necessarily afford all the good foods and the nutrition. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes our kids are being overdiagnosed and misdiagnosed based on the diets. Um, for instance, most kids are eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because you can get Wonder Bread for 99 cents, and then you're getting processed jelly, yeah. and it's all this sugar, mm. which impacts you, your kid, and then you send them to school, and they're jumping up and down. They can't sit still. Mm. And then the teacher says, hey, they're ADHD, so let's, let's medicate them. So it definitely goes down to nutrition as well as in environmental stimuli because mm. some people, they get really depressed in the rain yeah. and other things, and if you're not seeing sunlight – then you're not really being upbeat or positive. Yeah. No, that's real. And exactly. then, like that, I think there's statistics that actually show that Washington State has a high suicide rate due to it, the weather. It yeah. definitely right? does. Yeah. So no, I, I agree. And um, yeah, that's something you kind of touched on as well. Was like the lack of afford, like the lack of um, I guess the the, the affordability of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Right. It's systemic. You issues. can say healthcare in general, <laughs> right? but How mental health more, it. more so. Um, it's like. When you're in those sessions um, and you know that, okay, this is my time with this person, mm-hmm. right? And there's a little bit of uh, relinquishing that control, right? Because when they leave your session, you don't have control over what they're actually going mm-hmm. through in their everyday life. Right. So how do you deal with that, knowing that, okay, we made so much progress, uh-huh. but there's a chance we might relapse once they leave that door? Like, do, how do you deal with that? Um, well, for starters, I don't believe that I have control at all. Okay. And I tell my clients day one, they control the sessions. They lead it. They guide it. And I'm mm-hmm. not in control of anything. Gotcha. They're in con- this yeah. is their life. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So just like my clients who sit there and come in each week and they don't make any changes, that's mm-hmm. on them. So mm-hmm. I can guide them and I can give them the tools that they need, but... Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's out of my control. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that and separating myself, that helps me. Okay. I mean, it's like you're grown. This is on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't say it like that. I'm, I'm way more compassionate. For sure, for sure. But ultimately, I just yeah. tell them, like, this is your session. This is about you. If I'm going a direction that you're not ready to go, let me know. And we can have a conversation about it. Okay. But this is for them. They're paying for it. It's their healing. It's their lives. Mm-hmm. So I want them to really... Um, guide the session mm-hmm. and I actually have a very thorough intake and I ask we go over their goals because I'm a solution focused therapist okay. so it's like why are you coming to me mm-hmm. what are you hoping to see mm-hmm. how will you know when things are different in your life okay what's what's the whole point what so do you then want? does that help you all as well kind of measure progress it right? does when you set those guidelines up front like hey yep. this is what what are we trying to get out of this? Because <laughs> yeah. I need to know how I can measure and track yeah. your product. Because I was always curious about that. Like, how do you track whether or not they're getting better yeah. or if they're getting healthier? So that, mm-hmm. that's actually a good way to do yeah. it. I Goal mean, yeah. setting. I like yeah. that just because, like, uh, people don't really like to feel controlled. Right. Like, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, no, I feel comfortable. Like, if yeah. you just said that, it was just like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you're guiding this. I'd be like, all right, I'll probably open up a lot more. So, yep. And sometimes I'll ask, like, uh, what do you want to talk about today? What do you want to get out of today's session? Mm-hmm. Them, not what do, what do I want to get out of it? Yeah. Because there's things that I actually have as I'm reading their intake that I would like for them to achieve or like for them to work on or address. But it's all about them at the end of the day. Maybe mm. they want to focus on their anxiety and I'm seeing all this repressed trauma or mm-hmm. depression that I want to focus on, but it's not about me. It's mm-hmm. about their healing and how can we take that anxiety to also focus on the other things that I'm seeing are problematic in their lives. Mm. Okay. Um, another question that I have, which is um, something I've always been curious about. Like, I, I remember uh, 
watching the show The Sopranos. I don't know if you guys ever seen that show. <laughs> and uh, Tony Soprano, the main character, he goes and sees a therapist mm-hmm. like every episode pretty much. And the therapist he was seeing also had things she was dealing with herself, mm-hmm. right? So my question to you is kind of who do you go see, I guess, when you have yeah. um, things that, that are on your mind hev- heavily and you want to seek someone out? Do you have someone? Or? Yeah, okay. I have a therapist. Okay. Ther- therapist see therapist too. Okay, I'm, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not, ex- <laughs> okay, okay, I'm not cool. exempt from feeling. Like, honestly, Definitely. Um, I was seeing my therapist quite a bit last month because October was really a month from hell. Mm. Uh, I had eight patients die in one week. And mm. I do hospice therapy so i'm used to death it Mm -hmm. happens Mm -hmm. but i generally don't have eight patients die in one week and then my uncle passed away unexpectedly at 50 wow wow. (laughs) and it was just blow after blow after blow so yeah i check in i see a therapist too Mm -hmm. i have therapist friends i have a really good support system um yeah i feel like a lot of times people feel like therapists got it all together your doctors but no doctors see doctors dentists see dentists okay all all that we're not exempt and that's i think that's the um that's a side of like um, medicine that isn't really known to us as yeah. patients or, you know, um, just regular people who go to see these doctors. Mm-hmm. We think that they're perfect. Right. right. <laughs> and it's not always the case. It's not realistic. So um, I'm glad you shared that because I think um, I think it's important for people to know that, hey, man, everybody's trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to get better, but we can all help each other in the process. Right. Definitely. And helping others actually helps me. Mm. So mm. It's reciprocal. Got you. Mm-hmm. Got you. Um, another topic that's actually, I mean, since we're bringing up things that we've seen on social media that are popular, um, I think mental health in regards to just black men in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you, I guess, what, is, what are the majority of your, your patients look like in regard, not in the hospice side, but mm-hmm. more so, I guess you could say the millennial side, but is it more so males? females or how's that look it's predominantly women okay we'll talk about we'll <laughs> talk about a, why the I men ain't few, coming yeah. i have a few black men that come to me okay and honestly it, it's really stigmatized in our community mm-hmm. i feel like women are starting to approach it from another standpoint mm-hmm. so they're more open to seeing mm-hmm. black men definitely go to their um, therapists as well but the other problem is there's a lack of black th- black male therapists. Mm. Um, at my wellness brunch, I was trying to find black therapists to speak, and it was really a struggle. There's mm. not a lot of black men who are therapists, so it's a need. Um, there's only 0.2% psychologists that are African-American, and they're predominantly women. So, Do you think it's a domino effect in regards to um, the stigma of black men don't go see therapists, therefore they will not become therapists? Because I feel like that can be the reason why we yeah. don't see them. Is like, they ain't even showing up to the sessions, bro. Like, <laughs> right. Why would they want to become one, you know? Exactly. That could be an issue, too. And sometimes you need to see yourself in your therapist. Mm. And so black men want to see other black men, and, and they're scarce. There's a lack of them. Mm. So I would say that's the reason. And then also in the black community, we are, we're told things like, just pray about it. You know, it'll be okay. Oh, yeah. Um, therapy is a white people thing all all this language that really keeps us sick and behaviors that stop Mm. us from seeking therapists Mm -hmm. it's getting better um i've been trying to speak to a lot of black men to promote therapy Mm -hmm. so it's getting better well yeah i think i think it just starts with the conversation right right like just having a conversation about it Mm -hmm. we don't even talk about it (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know it's like um i'd really have to just like all my problems, I just talk to my friends. Like, I wouldn't just be like, oh, I need to go see a therapist. You know? Yeah. And see, that's the thing. And your friends don't have the clinical background. They can't yeah. really assess and understand what's going on and look at your past life and see how it's impacting your current life. Yeah. And, and it's a biased perspective, too. Right. Exactly. Right. It's a biased right. perspective right. based on how they're feeling, right? Yeah. yeah. You're just going to, like, if he tells me some shit, I'm going to be like, 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how you feel, Erm, you know, right. but I don't know shit. Like, yeah. you know, um, I, I guess it is about, because it does help to talk to your friends and family. Obviously, that mm-hmm. helps. But like you said, there's certain things that you that you can reve- that can be revealed to you mm-hmm. um, through the proper knowledge um, being brought down on you, right? Right. I agree. Um, and that and that's something. I mean, that's something I, I just I'm always curious about. Is like how can we elevate that conversation um, for the black male community? Like, what are some tricks or tips if you got some? And if not, we know we can figure it out. <laughs> we'll get to it. I don't know. I'm just this right here, having the conversation, okay. having black men show up and talk about it. Mm. It encourages and it has other black men thinking, hey, we're talking about it. I'm actually gonna seek out a therapist. Or you know what? I'm going to go to school and become a therapist because mm-hmm. that's what I did. I needed a therapist, so I went to school to yeah. learn about it and became mm-hmm. one because there was a lack of black therapists in King County. Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect as well. And really just having black men share their stories, that's important. Mm. And That's so real. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so real. Yeah. yeah. That's so real. Like, because, all right, I don't want to bring the man's name up, but Kanye West, right? So, uh, <laughs> all right, listen, listen. First of all, I, I'm a, this is going to be brief. Um, Make only, America please. great again. <laughs> The only reason I bring up him is because um, I remember at his album listening session, party, uh, retreat, whatever the hell it was, um, he talked about how he's a, he, he felt like he has superpowers after his, his mental health breakthrough, right? Now, all right, we'll get off that topic. Now, the reason I bring that up is because, I mean, there is power in that, though, mm-hmm. right? Like, I could I remember at one point I was super depressed about shit, and when you get out of that, it is a, it is like a... It's mm-hmm. a feeling that you can't that even awake, explain. That o- yeah. spiritual awakening. Yeah, yeah. so um, I think that's something that we need to push each other towards, right, mm-hmm. is number one, addressing it, but then understanding that you're only strengthening yourselves when you, I guess, reveal your weaknesses, right? Right. Right? And having the courage and speak up to tell your story and yeah. how did you get through it? Because then other people hear your story like, hey, I went through that too, or I'm experiencing it now, mm. and then they got out of it. Mm-hmm. So we heal through hearing uh hearing the stories of others. That's why I said this work also helps me to heal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We snap For real quick and we get some snacks. <laughs> but Kanye's a different beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you take him on as a patient? Mm, mm, I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could do Kanye problems. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to the kids. I'm <laughs> yeah. Nah, um, also I want to talk about, um, so, um, so you did release a book. I did. You wrote a book. You I wrote did. a book and released a book. I, um, I tried to travel it all away, right? Or tried, I tried I to travel it away. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, now, at what point in your life did that come about, that project? Was it like kind of when you felt like you were confident enough to speak on the issue or was it um, kind of something you were trying or when did that happen? It was really me trying to model the things that I was teaching my clients. Okay. I, all the things that I teach my clients in therapy, I try to practice in my own life. Okay. And I realized that I was actually running away from my problems and okay. you can't travel it away. Mm. So I've been to 32 mm. countries. Before I was a therapist, people kn- knew me as the uh, travels with Ash. Then mm. I became therapy with 32 Ash. countries. Oh, wow. Yeah, 32 countries. Um, so That's I was cool. doing like travel blogging and there was one year I went to 11 countries, um, but I also had back-to-back blows in my life and was just really sad. So then mm. when I broke it down and I started looking at my other clients who, when they were stressed, they would come in my office like, hey, I need a vacation. And I'm like, no, 
you don't need a vacation. You need to sit down and look at what it is that's causing you to want a vacation. Mm. So as I said that to my client, a light bulb went off in my own head. Like, dang, Ashley, like every other week I'm saying I need a vacation. I need a vacation. Mm. So what's going on in my own life that's impacting me to do these things? Mm. Versus social media feels like, oh, travels with Ash is living the life. <laughs> but they living don't, my best life. <laughs> right. They don't real. really know the backstory. Like uh, the day before I went to Fiji, I watched a man be killed. 10 feet in front of me. So, wow. and I wasn't able to really talk about that story and how that actually impacted my mental health until I actually went to a therapist and healed through that trauma mm. of that. And I feel bad for the babies every day who were at the park and witnessed the same thing that I witnessed because mm. I'm an adult yeah. and there were kids and we all sat there and watched that happen 10 feet in front of us. Mm. Um, and here I am, you know, I grew up in Berrien. I'm like, I never seen murders yeah, real life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think it's, <laughs> it shouldn't be common to see that shit. Yeah. Right. And then Seriously. so people didn't see that story. They saw me in Fiji for the whole week. But wow. they didn't realize what I was actually going through in Fiji as I was healing. And I'm relying on my so support system, meditation, prayer, just to get through it. And that really caused, um, inspired me to want to write the book. I mm -hmm. tried to travel it away. Mm -hmm. And I implemented some of the same worksheets and the tools that I give to my clients. I, I like that concept, too. And, and yeah, and just bringing up the social media thing, like, it's, it's crazy because people talk about, oh, I want to be transparent on social media, right? To promote certain messages. I don't, I want to keep it a hundred, right? I want yeah, to keep it real yeah. and show people, Hey, it's not all fun and games. Right. But at the end of the day, those platforms are conditioned to now, mm -hmm. if you're not showing your best life, we don't care. Right. And yeah, maybe here and there we will care about the, you know, the real shit or like the, the hard times that mm -hmm. you may have fell on. But that is, it's, it's a tough thing that it's a tough, <laughs> it's a tough thing to do and, and actually grasp, you know? Um, and, and so that's, that's, mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I, I just find it hard because I want to find a way to where we can be real on social media. I, I remember hearing Will Smith say it, in, say it in an interview. Someone was like, yo, how the hell are you killing it on social media right now? Right? You just started this shit and you're booming. And he just talked about it. He's like, man, honestly, I just see the power in transparency. Mm -hmm. Right? Obviously, Will Smith is always um, in a positive spirit and everything mm -hmm. he shows is positive. But yeah. he's being super open and transparent more so than other of his counterparts, you know, like whether it's other actors or other celebrities. So... I think we need more transparency, like just real. Keep it real, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, it's a balancing act because, at the end of the day, nobody wants to log on a trans, um, log on to social media and see all of these negative things all the time. Mm. Like mm -hmm. you're about to be put out, just all these things that are mm -hmm. depressing and then impact me because then I'm feeling bad and mm -hmm. I'm wondering how can I help you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that level. And I honestly feel like we shouldn't put everything on social media. That's why we need to invest in therapists mm -hmm. and have support groups mm -hmm. because your whole life doesn't need to be on social media. Yeah. But it is important for other people to know, hey, you're experiencing life too. Hey, you went through this event. Mm -hmm. That's why I always speak out about a lot of the trauma that I went through from losing my grandma, a mm -hmm. whole other life things mm -hmm. that help people to understand hey she went through it she got through it she uses these tools they actually work yeah and i didn't require medicine <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah. seriously and i think that's what messes a lot yeah. of people up when they yeah. start taking pills and all that and oh, kind of yeah. like it affects you kind of like it's interfering it's interfering with like the natural product with the food example mm -hmm. i feel like medicine is the same way like yeah it mess you up. yeah oh, there's yeah. literal foods herbs that do the same exact thing that a pill can but the money is in the medication mm -hmm. so that's just the way that the system is set up yeah. so we want to push all these drugs um 20 mm. of all healthcare visits are mental and not physical but your provider is going to push pills wow 
Wow. But your provider's also <laughs> not a therapist, and then there's all these patients coming in and out, so it really comes down to time and, of course, money. Mm-hmm. They don't have the time to sit down and talk with you about yeah. your problems and really figure it out. So it's easier just to, hey, I'm going to give you this antidepressant. You take this Zoloft, this Xanax, yeah. whatever the case, lorazepam. What do you need? I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's big business, man. And it's, I mean, that's that's the sad part is, like, it's at our expense, our, our mm-hmm. actual health. Um, another, um, I was always curious about this, too, because you see a lot of patients, right? And no two patients are the same, I would assume, mm-hmm. right? Right, yep. Um, different. How do you manage kind of keeping that clean slate with every single person you have to where you like, is it hard for you to not see some things overlap? Like if you saw this patient and this patient, it has something in common and you're like treating this patient the way you treated that patient. <laughs> but you know that this patient ain't that patient. Like, how do you deal with that? Because that'd be tough. I've, yeah. I don't know. How, I don't know how I could. I can't even imagine doing that. It's, a, it's a skill and you practice it as you're going through school um, through school. OK, um, so we do therapy on each other's and just have mock sessions. So mm. it's really a skill and a practice. Mm-hmm. When I was starting out, there were times when I would get confused and just my caseloads were too high or too heavy. Okay. But right now I'm at a place where I can do hospice therapy full time, run a private practice, mm. go to the psychiatric facility, go to the prisons. And I know who everybody is. I know their stories. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of notes as well. Okay. So just documentation and relating to them putting myself into their footsteps because then I feel like it's my story. Mm. So you don't forget your own story. Okay. Um, and really just relating to them. That's real. Have you ever had to um, refer a patient to maybe another therapist when you felt like maybe I'm not the best one for you? Has I that, have. Has it, has I happened? have okay. plenty of times, um, especially in my private practice. So because my private practice is part-time, I can't be available 24 hours. So I can't see people who are really going through extreme crisis. Okay. Um, I have my clients call the crisis clinic because it's available 24-7. I'm not. I turn my phone off. It's off right now. Okay. So if somebody's going through a crisis, I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, for sure. And then they're stuck. For sure. So I have to really assess what are their needs. Are you feeling suicidal? Um, do you have the tools that can help you outside of our session? Mm-hmm. If not, then you're really not the client for me. I have to refer you to s- uh, maybe an agency or facility that yeah. has the staffing. Yeah. And then there's things that I'm not skilled in. I'm not a couples therapist. Mm. People come to me all the time. They want to do couples <laughs> counseling. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't do relationship that's counseling. Tough. That's tough. That, that's, a, that's a whole nother. That's like, a, that's, a tan- right. that's a tandem. I'm like, t- I focus on the individual. Uh, yeah, on the individual. <laughs> I can't do that. Y'all yeah. two different worlds mixed together. I can't do that. Yeah, there's lots of things that I don't focus on. Um, but then the things that I do focus on, there's a skill set for that. So, okay. And okay. one, I can't handle everybody. I'm, I have a part-time for sure. practice. For sure. So I refer, one, just if I'm full. Okay. And then two, if it's something, also kids. I don't see kids. My mm-hmm. practice isn't set up to see children. Yeah. So I refer to other therapists. Yeah, and you got to know who you are as a therapist too, right? Right. Like that helps. That helps making sure you can be consistent mm-hmm. and actually progress. So I, I, I like that. Um Man, we could we could talk all day. I don't know. We 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 could talk all day. Um, now, again, you know, uh, one of the homies was actually asking the question, um, and we he was, is there a simple way to kind of normalize, um, normalize us who don't know anything about mental health or haven't addressed it? Is there a way for like maybe some tips or tricks for us aside from just talking about it? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, breathing exercises. I, I don't know what it is, but is there, is there things that we can do for the listeners and the viewers and us in the room right now um, to just take those 
you know, strides day by day to get better at it and open up. Because it's not overnight. Like, (laughs) I guarantee you, (laughs) just because of this episode tomorrow, we ain't going to be, like, you know, super expressive and open. So what are some things for the listeners and viewers um, that they can do? I would say focus on one thing at a time. Um, Just take it day by day. Oftentimes, my clients come to me with huge list of things that they want to work on. Mm -hmm. And then I have them narrow it down. Like, no, pick your top three. And they pick their top three. And then we kind of identify one to work on. Mm. And really just start with positive affirmations. The law of attraction is real. So Mm. starting your day with something positive. Um, I'm going to have a good day. I'm successful. I'm beautiful. Speaking these things into existence. Mm -hmm. Because we can either speak life or speak death. There's really power in words Mm. and how you start your day. And also really looking at your routine, having a strong routine, a strong mm. morning routine. We talked a lot about social media. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means unfollowing uh, the Shade Room, World Star Hip Hop. I, right I actually unfollowed it. Hey, <laughs> hey well, I'm making strides. I'm making strides. I'm making strides. But I'm my friends tag me. Uh, I know. I, know. <laughs> I can't avoid it, but I, I ain't following them. I ain't following them. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, just really paying attention to what are you putting in, especially with social media, because when we check our phones mm-hmm. and we can't control what we see. That's real. And I also encourage my clients to use an external alarm clock versus using your cell phone because when you look at your cell phone the first thing in the morning, you see all of this stuff that you mm. can't control. Mm. But if you use an external alarm clock, then you're good. You can wake up, you can start your day with yeah. meditation. Mm-hmm. See, prayer. it's the little things, man. Yeah. It's just the little yeah. things, <laughs> man. All right. I'm going to go to I'm going to go to the store and get an alarm clock. <laughs> I know we don't have those anymore. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So yeah. what so what about the viewers that might want to like get into being a therapist? Like what advice would you have for them? Aside from going to school. Aside from going to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside from going to school, um I would say really look at what it is that's driving you to want to become a therapist cuz some people get into this field for the wrong reason. So mm. why do you want to do it? Okay, yeah. I heard Ashley speaking on a podcast. Is there something that you went through in life? Yeah. Who do you want to help really to help you also identify mm. the population you want to work with? And the other advice I would say is just know that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know who you're going to work with. I worked with kids, elderly, inmates, people in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I've been all over trying to figure out mm-hmm. where my niche is, where my fit is, and uh, the clients who I really enjoy working with. Mm-hmm. Um, so just knowing you don't have to have the answers because at one point I felt like I had put all this time into studying kids and then later in adulthood I switched and I started working with the elderly mm-hmm. and adults. Mm-hmm. So just know you don't have to have all the answers. That's real. And it's a constant real, it's a real. constant continuing education process. It is. That's one thing I always say and I know this for a fact cuz I I you know being mm-hmm. being familiar with the healthcare industry, continued education is a, a big deal. It's required. It's I have required, to have 36 yeah. hours every year and the state be looking. Uh-huh. Oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um well, and and again, uh I I feel like a lot of what we've talked about today mm-hmm. is um is a good start, right? Again, it's not overnight, but we got to start somewhere, and it right. starts with the conversation. Like you said, power in words. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we can use this podcast to urge everybody out there to, you know, use your words. Speak up. Mm-hmm. Talk to each other. Um, you know, text each other if you can't talk. I don't know. <laughs> check in on your friend. Exactly. Check in on your strong friend. Yeah. <laughs> the one you think has it all together because that's the one that's really falling apart. That's real. Yeah. I always say that, man. Yeah. I feel like if you're not doing that, like if someone's not really checking in on you, it's like, you should be able to know, okay, there's going to be a disconnect here. Mm -hmm. Like you should foresee that this person isn't fully invested. Right. And it's tough because we all got our own shit going on individually. But, um, just, it's like you said, find a routine, you know, every morning I I text, have a blessed day to all my homies. Oh, that's dope. Right. 
it gets to a point where it's like it's not even like I'm trying to do it anymore. It's just a routine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, build those routines, mm-hmm. you know, and, and build those habits. Now, I want to before we get you out of here, I do want to talk about some things you got on the horizon. I mean, you're mm-hmm. a very busy woman, b- very busy woman. You do a lot. So mm-hmm. um, what are some things people can look forward to? I know you got a, a really exciting event that's right around the corner. Yes, right? so I have my Reclaiming Melanin Wellness Brunch that I'm hosting along with another licensed therapist, Kaisha Hodge. Mm-hmm. That's next week. Okay. Um, and I'll be doing that all across the nation. So I'm going to be in San Diego next. And basically, it's just a brunch with other black therapists in the area that are going to be working towards destigmatizing mental illness mm. in black communities. Mm. So how, the color how, how can the people get involved? So the one in Seattle is going to be held where, when? Um, so the one in Seattle sold out. Oh, mm-hmm. can they stream we'll it? Be, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually it? join the Facebook group Reclaiming Melanin Wellness because we'll stream it live. Okay, there you go. Uh, but yeah, and then we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back to for Seattle. Sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So we'll definitely bring it back. But next is going to be San Diego, Phoenix, Atlanta, D.C. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then what else? What else we got? Is there anything uh, let's else see. So I'm going to be launching a virtual course, uh, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. So it's really... Uh, geared towards those who are suffering from like depression, bipolar, um, other illnesses. It's really a mindfulness, uh, mindfulness based practice okay. that'll help clients and it'll all be online. Cause okay. I feel like a lot of times we don't have the time. We don't yeah. have the time to do these That's things. Real. So it's going to be online, the virtual course that I'm going to be offering. Okay. And then in January, I'm going to be starting a black women's group. Mm. Um, so I'll be holding that just a mental health group so that we could check in and just support each other. That's real. Um, support is key. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Support Definitely is key. Because we'll be we're all in this together. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think You're the right. sooner you realize that, the easier things will kind of be for you. Mm-hmm. That's real. You know, I, I feel yeah. I, that's how I feel, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, OK, well, I guess, you know, I, I always ask this question to all Before our guests. Oh, what you got? What you got? Before you oh. do that, um, <laughs> where can people find you? Twitter, oh, yeah. IG. Uh, yeah, therapy with Ash, IG. I don't, I don't have Twitter. No, it's uh, all good. But whatever you got, you got. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So therapy with Ash, and then I have my Facebook business page. You could just type Ashley McGirt, okay. AshleyMcGirt dot com. Okay. Um, that's where I'm at. Okay, and they'll so pull up on you. We'll, we'll yep. make sure. Therapy we'll make with sure. Ash. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll make sure to plug <laughs> all those handles as well. All right. Um, but yeah, so this question I always ask is just something to kind of. Um, sum up everything we've talked about, but also it's going to really, um, you know, cast what's ahead, right? Okay. Moving forward. Um, so if you can, what's, <laughs> everybody, oh. crazy <laughs> what's one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up? Mm. <laughs> what's one word? You can explain it. And too. you can, yeah, you yeah. can explain it. We, we always explain it. Say that, Y'all yeah. tell me this part. <laughs> uh, what keeps me on the up and up? I will say. Compassion. Mm. Compassion. It's really the driving force behind everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at what compassion means, it actually it literally means to suffer with while mm. having the desire to help at the same time. Mm. Wow. It's an emotional response to sympathy. Um, and having that compassion helps me to be able to do this work with hospice, mm. um, with my clients day to day. And it really pushes and motivates me to continue to want to help. And it's reciprocal. Mm-hmm. So helping them also helps me. Compassion. Wow. That's real. That's, that's the first. I yeah. think that's the first time we had yeah. compassion. Yeah, I like that. And I like, I like, I like how, I mean, I like how it was defined as we're also suffering with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, we feel for you at the same yeah. time. And, and help, because that's and, the key yeah, part. Help, and, and, and desire to help. And yeah. I'm a helper. I'm, I'm, in a, the I'm a healer. Yeah, I'm yeah. in there with you. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what it is. I like that. 
Um, well, Ari, Ashley, well, thank you. Um, man, it's crazy. I, I, we wish you so much success. You got so oh, much yeah. going on, man. And, and I think you have a very powerful message, a very powerful platform. And uh, we wish you nothing but success and blessings moving forward. And, you know, whatever you need from us, let us know. We're definitely tapped in. And I think it's official. Ashley McGirt is a, actually make sure y'all go get that book too. Oh, I tried yeah. to tra- I tried to travel it away. I tried to travel it away. Go on Amazon wherever you can get books. Go get that yep, man. Go yep. support. Uh, but yeah, it's official. Ashley McGirt is a member of the Up and Up. Can we get a round of applause? Oh, yeah, yeah.